spread their influence. No, just death. Just, just death. <laughs> <laughs> we're lining them all up, right? One to one, hand to hand combat. Like, like think it's like the 1200s. Gunpowder has not been invented. All right, everybody gets a sword. Who wins, Bulgaria or Ireland? I'd like to find out. I see you're donning the uh, the garb of the National Ireland team. You know I am. Today was another disappointing game. <laughs> you guys lost? Oh, I thought you guys. No, won. we we tied. It's just they have a new manager and they haven't won a game yet. They either lost or tied every one of them, and they haven't. They have now gone eleven hours on the field without scoring a goal. Yikes! So it was another eventful. You know, just spending my hour and a half today watching a delightful zero-zero draw with Bulgaria. So it was a wonderful oh, the, time. Those damn Bulgarians! Those, every single guy on the team's last name ends in V. It's it's truly amazing. <laughs> I, swear, I the starting eleven, every single guy ended in a V, and they were all like at least eight or ten letters long. What? whatever is going on in the eastern Bloc, i want nothing to do with i, don't I want know nothing is, to do with anything that's going on over there in the bulgaria romania belarus i mean just get out i don't want anything to do with you you even mentioned like a little bit like hey i'm from belarus I'm like leave like no absolutely not ever since that iron curtain came down it's just been <laughs> just been nothing but it's a just... mess <laughs> Drawing up all these new borders, giving everybody these last names. Oh, but that's what I did today. Um, what have you been up to, dude? You gave people like new names. Oh, I, I've been busy uh, auditing. Um, ah. So in very my uh, in very fashion, my job that I was supposed to be on all this week got uh, pushed back. So now for the next two weeks, I am a man without a home. What? Why? What happened? I. They just weren't ready for planning. So I'm just, I'm a man without a home. I'm literally like, out of all the new associates, I'm the only one that has experience with RSM. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the island of misfit toys. So they, they have like no work for you. Is that what you're saying? We're, I'm just, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I noticed you had a polo on. I thought you did nothing today but work. <laughs> I was in front of a yeah. I was in front of my work computer for nine hours. Um, I think I build like two and a half. So so, wh what is this? So just for the next in two weeks, they're gonna have actual work for you to do, basically. Yeah, that's when I'm on a job. That's when I'm actually on a job, and uh, that's when I get to start doing my work, mm. which will be absolutely riveting, wonderful. I should not wait so. for it. <laughs> Nothing better than going through financials. <laughs> today, today I went through the payroll log. Oh, riveting stuff. Tomorrow, some of my hard work, I get to go through legal invoices. Mm. Whoever said that the life of an auditor wasn't glamorous? Clearly, we're not an auditor. <laughs> well, All right, I, well, I think I time. would rather. I think I would rather do that than watch. Ireland draw or lose to one more Eastern European country. Yeah. I would rather watch Ireland just nuke like Belarus or Bulgaria. <laughs> just not nuke in, them. Not in soccer, just the actual nuke. It invade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just I, 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 would like to, <laughs> I would like to see the country of Ireland invade Bulgaria. <laughs> With but like how funny would that be? How but like Russia doesn't get involved. There, nobody else gets involved. No, we just, just start pinning. We just start pinning these little, like, smaller countries at each other, and it's like gladiator fights. Like we pin Ghana versus like uh, I'm trying to like Mongolia. Mongolia versus Ghana. <laughs> Who wins? You know China the Irish in Russia. You, you know the Irish trying to spread their influence in Eastern Europe. <laughs> just going at like no, 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 not spread their influence. No, just death. Just, just <laughs> we're lining them all up, right? One to one, hand to hand combat. Like, like think it's like the 1200s. Gunpowder has not been invented. All right, everybody gets a sword. Who wins, Bulgaria or Ireland? 
so I'd like to find out. So all of these countries are just playing God, and they're just we're just organizing this tournament that these countries yeah. have no choice but to participate in. And like honestly, I, like I don't know exactly the field, but like I'm thinking either like anywhere from 16 to 64 country sure. field. I mean, and uh, the winner of that gets a seat on the UN Security Council. Sure. I mean, that might yeah, as well be to, a prize. They get to play with the big boys. <laughs> I think it's almost like you just have a, a big group of people in a middle school that forced two of the nerds to have a fist fight at recess. Oh, they yeah. Have, they, oh, they, don't, they don't want to, and there's nothing in it for them, but everybody else just wants to watch. And speaking as one of those two nerds, not a lot of fun. <laughs> But I am now an owner of a portion of Bulgaria, so it worked yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing great in life. The other kid, not so well. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, I went from talking about work and then in three minutes, talk about full-blown war. Talk, not even full-blown war. Talking about highly specific organized war hosted organized. by major countries and forced between <laughs> small to mid, the small to mid-sized countries. Yeah, that's about right. Incredible. All right, well, uh, I saw quite possibly the worst tweet of all time maybe three minutes ago. Okay, Let's all right. hear it. It was a tweet. It was regarding, because uh, it's going to go well into what we're going to talk about. It's regarding uh, some Yankee fan that was very excited saying, hey, I just want to point out there that, you know, the Yankees were right back in 2013 to only offer Robinson Cano seven years because his contract would be up right now. So we just, so we was like, so we saved 184 million and we would have been correct. And that's awesome. And you know why that's bullshit is because they turned around and gave 170 million to Jacoby Ellsbury with that money. And I would rather have Robinson Cano than Jacoby Ellsbury. So your great point about, hey, Robinson Cano got suspended a year. Thank goodness we're not paying him. We already lost. Worst tweet. That, that's a horrendous tweet. Also, because it's not only that they reinvested that money into a bad investment, but Cano went on to be more successful since he left there. Not more successful than when he was with New York, but he produced more than Ellsbury did after that. Everybody did. I produce more than Ellsbury. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand. That, that tweet is just somebody that that doesn't follow the team. I don't know what else to say. No, no. He, no here's who it is. And I didn't even look into him. Here's who it is. It's a, it's a nerd um, from seven years ago who, who was in the middle of the Bronx. And he was just so adamant. We don't need to be signing Cano. We don't need to be signing Cano. We don't need to be signing Cano. And he just got unrelenting crap for it from Friends, random strangers, everybody. And this is him holding a grudge seven years later being like, hey, guys, hey, everybody, I was right. I was right. He really just he really just needed the smallest thing to happen to Cano in order to justify it. And here we are. Suspended. I mean, I saw a tweet from a, uh, of a baseball guy, and he was just laughing. He's just like, how – dumb do you have to be to be an established and mlb player to get popped for steroids he's like we you know he's like everybody's doing it like people are doing it it's actually not like it's not talked about but like people still do steroids they never actually went away it's just nobody gets popped for them because it's really easy not to get popped for steroids he's like there's like there's a lot of guys in the minor leagues that are fringe minor leaguers that just want to make it and he's like those guys getting popped, I get it. But how do you get popped as an MLB established player? I just don't get it. He's got to be so irresponsibly dumb. Because when he left New York, that was one of, like, again, he got popped years ago. There's been rumblings. He, kind of like people have been like, yeah, no shit. Cano's doing steroids. He's been doing steroids for 10 years. This isn't, like, this isn't new news. Just to get popped is just idiotic. I mean, there's some sort of – there had to have been some sort of slip-up. But, I mean, shoot, this is a guy that's going to be on a Hall of Fame ballot down the road, I think. Like, his name's going to pop up there, and whether or not he gets significant votes is one is another story. But his name's going to pop up there. And like you said, like, 
there's some sort of slip up, some sort of slip up that he had in order to get to get busted. And it's his second offense because it's straight up. It's a year. It's a year suspension now because first would have been half a season. So this is right off the bat a, a second one. You you slip up a third and it's a lifetime ban. So he's treading extremely lightly and now and obviously he's getting up there in age. So missing a full year and have not being able to play and just having to train and missing out on a, you know, a year, you know, now that you're in the kind of the twilight of your career, like that's not good either to be, to be having that. So it's all around just like whether or not it's stupid of him to do it, which it is, it's just, it's going to set him back. That's for sure. Having to, having to go through this. And what you said is, you know, how many ever votes he might get. He's, he has surefire undoubtedly, like he's a hall of famer. Like, the only question with Robinson Cano when you look at his body of work is, is he the greatest second baseman of all time? Because he's got a legitimate case for it. Even with his, like, I think we can agree this past, call it five years, he's not been that good. He's still a career 303 hitter. He's hit, he's 330 home runs. He's got um, 2,600 hits. He has doubles. He's a good fielder. I mean, it's it's not like if you look at him in a, in a vacuum, it's not is he a Hall of Famer is, oh, is he the greatest second baseman of all time? Because I think he's, I mean, he's no doubtly in the top 10. He, I, I put him in top five. And it's like, how, why, why are you doing this? I loved Cano growing up. I loved him. I thought he was awesome. I mean, and a lot of that had to do with he was Derek Jeter's mate in, in the infield and they did it for, 10 years uh I mean I loved Cano I didn't like seeing him leave I got it I understood it um but I was like I loved Cano and then when he did the uh, home run derby I mean wow that actually must have been a decade ago with his dad and it was like he was one of the first ish ish to win it with his dad it was one of the ones where it was oh it's a story his dad's pitching to him I was like this is so cool it's awesome I believe it was I believe it was in Arizona um it's sad. It's sad. I still vote for him. Uh, I mean, the Hall of Fame vote is coming up. I think this is the year that um, Barry Bonds gets in. I think they all get in. Because if you, did you look at, like, the cream of the crop guys that are coming up and that are, like, now um, eligible, like, this year? I mean, it's going to be that bash that started retiring when we were kids, that we that were, like, the heroes that we were watching. Yeah, and it's a crop of entirely like it's they're all Hall of Very Good guys like Tori Hunter, Shane Victorino, Mark Burley. None of them are Hall of Famers. I mean, if Andrew Jones is isn't a Hall of Famer, which I think you and I have talked about, that we agree he's not a Hall of Famer. He's first ballot, maybe the greatest Hall of Very Good player of all time, but he's not a Hall of Famer. And Tori Hunter's not. Mark Burley's not. Shane Victorino's not. Uh, I, me, even with me being a Yankees guy, I think there's a place for Andy Pettit in the Hall of Fame, and it's not as a Hall of Fame player. I think he's he's going to have three or four little blurbs or things about him. I mean, when you go to postseason baseball, he's going to be mentioned in the Hall of Fame, but Andy Pettit himself I don't think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And this is just an entire crop of Andrew Joneses and Andy Pettits, and not even as good as Andrew Jones or Andy Pettit. So who is like does nobody make it this year the mlb like always has like two three i mean because you can put up to 10 people i mean it's got to be bonds it's got to be clemens i think i mean shoot yeah look at some of the other guys on the ballot nick swisher dan heron barry zito aramis ramirez so it, it you're like you said that's kind of that's kind of like the theme i feel like for that ballot but you have you have guys on this on the returnee ballot that like the, some of these guys have got to be coming up on their last chance, right? Do you know who on here is coming up on their last chance? I'm not quite sure. This is Schilling, Clemens and Bonds is last year. Um, along with Sammy Sosa. Uh, they're all in their last year of eligibility. I'm looking at it right now. And here would be my guess. Kurt Schilling last year got 70% of the vote. You need 75. I think Kurt Schilling gets in. Roger Clemens was at 61 and Barry Bonds was at 60.7. I think they get in. Um, then you have guys that are a little bit lower down the list that I think should get in, uh, I believe. But again, also, I'm going to understand I'm biased. These are all the guys I grew up watching. 
um, down the list, the next guy who I think is one of the most underrated players of all time, that he'll get in eventually. I have no doubt about it, but I don't know when. And that's Omar Vizquel. I mean, the guy won a million gold gloves. He is almost a thousand. He'll, he's uh, 65 hits short of 3,000. He deserves to get in. He will get in. Um, another, and, and then you got uh, a guy like Scott Rowland, who I don't think actually, I don't think that he'll get in. I don't think he should get in, but he's got a really good case. Um, and he's going to be real close. Then you have a guy like Billy Wagner and he's a guy that's aged like fine wine when it comes to closers because of how dominant he was for those couple years. And I, I mean, I can see, I think the MLB is going to go one of two ways with this new closer revolution. They're either going to go with like, you have to be a legitimate player and you need to be like that dominant, or they're going to go more with uh, the way the NFL has done it with running backs, where if you have an unreal four years, that's good enough for us. I mean, Terrell Davis made the NFL Hall of Fame, and he was there four years. He was unreal. He was the best running back in the league for four years. Billy Wagner was, I mean, except for maybe sometimes Mario Rivera, the best reliever in the league for three years. Is that enough? And it'll, I just think that will be interesting to see. Is that enough? I don't know. Uh, going down, Gary Sheffield, Todd Helton, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent, the guy we're talking about, Andrew Jones, in his fourth year, he got 19.4%. That's about right. Down the line, does he get to 75? I don't think so. I think he maxes out around 60. And then in 30 years, maybe he gets in with the senior ballot. I'm not sure. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned that was really interesting was, you know, the odds of those guys getting in on their final ballot. And I wondered are the voters a little softer when it's your final ballot? Because I think it's easy to have that discussion of, you know, like over the, over the first several years that they're on the ballot, like, no, 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 they shouldn't be in. But when it comes winding down to it, um, when it's, you know, do or die time, I think, I think the voters might become a little more soft. So I looked at it and there are seven hall of famers ever elected in the fi in their final year on the ballot. Now, a lot of very early ones, but two, the two most recent ones, obviously, Edgar Martinez in 2019, and he was, a, he was struggling to get across the 50% threshold, and in 2019, in his final year, he had 85.4% of the vote, so he had a huge push. I remember the Mariners, just in general, um, made a huge push for him to get into the Hall of Fame. And then last year, there was another one that it happened to, and that was Larry Walker. And Walker was, in 2018, Walker only had 34%. And by 2020, in his final year on the ballot, he was at 76%. So I feel like you have some guys that just receive a major boost. Now, granted, those guys didn't have as much controversy as the ones that are on their final ballot right now. But nonetheless, I was curious how often that's happened. And I just think that there are some guys that people – you know, might consider for those first, I mean, as, shoot, as much as Larry Walker, people might consider for the first eight years that they're on the ballot, half of the voters aren't even considering them a Hall of Famer. And then in their final year or two on the ballot, they receive a huge push when people, you know, kind of have to, it comes down to crunch time, people have to make that decision on whether or not they are Hall of Fame worthy. So granted, a little bit different criteria, just because these guys have so much controversy around them. Um, but kind of interesting to look up who slid in there on their final one. And, the, and it, when they have slid in there, they're pretty big pushes that they've made, pretty big jumps in the percentage. So we'll see if that happens this year with any of them. Um, granted, the ones have been fairly close, but we'll see. We'll see if they can, you know, I think we might see, especially with Bonds, like you said, he was in the 60s. I mean, you might see a 15, 20 plus percent jump on some of these guys just because it's their final year. And a lot of the uh, being in their final year, the big push, there's been a, lot, a big push for a lot of guys the last couple of years. And I just, I'm looking back and it's because I, I don't know the exact details. I don't have it in front of me, but a couple of years ago, there was a big purge of Hall of Fame voters. There was a bunch of Hall, like, I'm going to call, call them what they were. They were crotchety Hall of Fame voters. Um, they're, they're just a bunch of crotchety old Hall of Fame guys who sometimes for years on end would vote for nobody. I mean, and like about five years ago, I think it was, there was just like, you're done. You're out. We don't want you anymore. You're, 
you're messing things up. Like just grow up. And then they just done, they're done. So they cut the number of people who vote. And I, again, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know when that happened, that helped a lot of guys because a lot of those guys were like, absolutely not. Never, ever, ever were a steroids guy ever get in. And the thing about it is, is there's definitely been a real shift because I think if you ask Hall of Fame guys, I, I don't think there's a question in your mind because a lot of it does come down to how likable you are because David Ortiz took steroids. He was like named in that he's going to be a hall of famer. There's not even going to be a question about it. He's just so loved. Barry Bonds, not very likable. Roger Clemens, incredibly unlikable. Sammy Sosa, I don't get because I thought people liked him, but especially after watching the, uh, the documentary this year, the, the McGuire and Sosa, when Sosa was in it for like three minutes, maybe he isn't that likable. I don't know. I'm reading him between the lines. Um, another guy like Manny, I'm shocked, man. I think Manny will get in too. He's in his fifth year. He's got five more years. He he was at 28.2. He really got hit with the steroid stuff, but he was Manny Ramirez. I mean, I don't know if he was all over ESPN because everybody liked him or if it was because obviously Manny being Manny could be sold. Um, I think people liked him. Uh, and I think that has to go in. That has so much to do with it, so much, because – if people didn't like Mariano Rivera, there's no chance he'd be unanimous. If people didn't like Derek Jeter, he wouldn't have gotten that much. Like when you see these like 99%, 98% of voters voted him in, that really has nothing to do with how good they were because how much better was Greg Maddox than Tom Seaver? How much better was Greg Maddox than, I don't know, name a guy, Randy Johnson. But they just do have different levels of how many, how people voted for him, which that sh it shouldn't be that way. You should kind of look at the numbers, I think, and, hey, here's what he did. But that's not how life works. So, I, I don't know. I hope Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds, they get in. I think they those three deserve to get in. I think Sammy Sosa also deserves to get in. The way his numbers are going, they're just not going to. I don't know. He must be the most unlikable guy of all time. I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really heard any bad stories about Sammy Sosa, though. Yeah, the documentary was really good. I enjoyed that, but it was definitely um, McGuire heavy. Um, but I liked it. I was excited for something like that. But anyway, making uh, kind of a transition might not be as smooth. But speaking of all all time greats, um, you and I were talking about Indiana football and with the Big Ten coming back, just how unbelievable Indiana has been, honestly. They're kind of the story, one of the stories of college football right now. Of course, going into this weekend playing Ohio State, we'll, we'll get to see how for real they are. They very well could lose by 20-plus. Um, but nonetheless, it, it sparked a conversation between you and I about our favorite one-off seasons. Um, or favorite, I guess you could almost call them Cinderella, although Indiana hasn't accomplished anything yet. But just our, our favorite one-off seasons from teams throughout college football history. And I'm curious – who you put on your list of that. I mean, my number one is, I mean, I think it's, the, it's so easy that I think it's a, a bit of a cop-out. Um, and it's the 2007 Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, I mean, Kansas football, which is, to call it a joke, is a little generous. Um, I, I was talking to, uh, earlier, this, earlier this year uh, with my buddy, Michael Powers. He was, he was uh, putting in his picks. And he was like, you know what? I'm betting on Kansas this week. I'm like, why? He's like, they're facing number 12, Oklahoma State. He's like, but it's 28 and a half. They, I mean, they're big 12. They, they're going to show up. They're going to. And I'm like, Michael, when have they ever showed up? And he goes, 2007. But Michael, stop it. Stop it, Michael. Like, they're bad. They're really, 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 really bad. They're never going to do that again. And they might not for another 30 years. Eventually, they might have, like, a, a decent season. But they're not going to have 12-1, and one, number seven in the country. Um, I believe they, they only lost to number three, Missouri, that year. Uh, they got a little help. They didn't have to play Oklahoma. A lot of the tough stuff, they weren't, you know, they didn't play great teams. But here's how, like, not respected they were, is they weren't ranked at all until they were 5-0, and oh, and they had beaten a ranked team. And they'd also beaten Toledo and FIU and Central Michigan and Southeastern Louisiana. They don't play anybody, but 
they were five and zero. They were in the Big Twelve, and they weren't. And they they were like, all right, this is the week we'll, we'll rank them number uh, number twenty. That just speaks to how like just no respect, none, none at all. Number one pick, as and their coach being eight hundred pounds also helped. Uh, I mean, the guy was. He looked like one of those little brown Goombas <laughs> from uh, Mario. I mean, he looked like if you jumped on his head, he would just die. I mean, Mark Mangino, R.I.P. What a man. My, uh, so, so mine, I was going to say it might be kind of a cop-out as well, but my first choice was going to be the 07 Boise State team uh, going to the Fiesta Bowl and winning that. But – And it's because they weren't a one-year wonder. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, that you could, you know, make that argument that like, what if this is Indiana starting off, you know, like this and playing like a for real team? Um, You know, so they weren't a one, they weren't a one off, you're right. But if you're going to talk about exciting seasons from a team that never saw coming, maybe that's how we should have defined it. But an exciting season from a team that nobody saw coming, um, I would have to say Boise State. Uh, just because we were talking about Indiana, and the another thing that we were talking about is Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati's a legitimate football team this year? They're really good, and nobody's talking about them. People are talking about Indiana. They're talking about Coastal Carolina. They're talking about Liberty. They'll talk about Marshall, but they're not talking. I mean, UC is getting the oh hey, let's be a little quirky. Maybe they'll make the college football playoff. Ha ha ha! But they're not going to. I think unless. Like, if Indiana loses two games, then UC has a chance. If Indiana loses one game and it's to Ohio State, they're going to put Indiana in over a undefeated UC team. That's just kind of how it's going to go. Um, until they expand it to four, eight teams, I don't think that if you're not in a Power Five, I don't think you have a chance to make the college football playoff. And I think one of the reasons that that is, and it's because of Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame is the one that's holding everybody back because, and this year might be different, but they are, even though they are, they, they had the, the BCS had the Notre Dame rule that uh, you had to, there are all these criteria to get to a BCS bowl. And then there was a big one, unless you're Notre Dame. And then they want Notre Dame and Notre Dame in the last decade, since they've done, uh, they, whenever they're good, they just get embarrassed on the big stage. And a lot of that is because, you know, they don't really consistently play them. They, they play a lot of ACC schools, but they don't consistently play like Big Ten schedule or an SEC schedule, an ACC schedule, because they'll play a Navy, which they should be playing. They'll play this guy. They'll play that guy. They'll, they just, they're not challenged a lot. And every time that they've stepped up, they've not only lost, but they've been embarrassed every single time. And I think that's really holding back um, a UC team, uh, a UCF team from a few years ago, who was legit. That, that was a great, great team that UCF had. Um, it's just going to be real trouble. I'm excited. I think they're going to go to eight whenever this contract's up in a few years. And that's going to be a lot of fun because this UC team is really good. This UC team, I think, would beat Indiana by 15 Yeah, points. and I think that the reason that UC doesn't have this hype around them um, too much on, like, the main stage is, is kind of the same reason that every year the media likes to pretend that a non-LeBron James team is going to be playing in the finals because they want to see something new. And, they, and UC, granted, they, you could look at them, and I think they could brand themselves as, like, this new – um, like presence in the college football playoff picture. The fact is for the last several, like the last two, three years now, their name is regularly tossed around there. And that's fantastic for them. Obviously it's great for their recruiting and everything, but in terms of like this excitement, that excitement is not going to last until it really comes down to it. And they actually are contending for um, a spot in that playoff. But, but as for right now, Obviously, the excitement is going to go towards in Indiana, somebody that nobody ever considered at the beginning of the season. You, since UC is not, you know, they kind of are the shiny new toy just because they've been in that they've been in the picture now for the last couple of years, but they're not because they've been in the picture the last couple of years. And Indiana truly is, and Marshall are the shiny toys because absolutely, I mean, they, those two schools haven't been in in college, you know, national title talks for I mean shoot name it name a number of years so it's really exciting and that's why I think that they are getting that hype and UC's not it's because UC's just quietly been there very quietly obviously I don't think they've had 
legit shots at it yet. Um, but they've just kind of quietly been there. Indiana and Marshall is somebody that even fans that don't follow college football could look at that and be like, holy crap, what, those guys are undefeated right now? Like, that's crazy. So I just think it's, that Cincinnati's kind of suffering from that. From that, I, you, you probably call it a phenomenon because it is kind of crazy how that works. But that's kind of where they're at right now, I think. And I think uh, we, I mean, we briefly talked about it this week. I think part of it that does get played is, uh, and it, I'm going to keep putting it back to that UCF team from a few years ago, because I'm looking it up and they went undefeated. They were a really good team. They were, they, they ended the year ranked six. They didn't, they, they were, they were, and everyone in front of them had two losses, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, OSU. L. I mean, they had two losses and they still said, yeah, no, but, and if you look at it, I, I do kind of agree. I do think I agree. I think that uh, I forget who it was, but I think number five Georgia was, or number five OSU. I think they were better than UCF. I don't. I don't really think it's a question because I think that year there were five teams. But that the, the thing is, is, they're like just give us a shot. Like just give us a shot. And with you, you, you see, they're not getting as much hype as UCF did. And a lot of that is OSU. Uh, I know some people that went to UC and people even when they go to UC they're like yeah it's awesome but if UC played OSU I think they'd want OSU to win because they're going to say OSU if UC beats OSU that ruins OSU's chance at uh, getting to the national title and why I'd rather a lot of them would rather have that than a yippee like UC made it um and there's not a lot of fans like with with you Jeremy your your number one fan uh, is Miami football and then number two would be Notre Dame is that correct to say yeah. Uh, you are in the minority where I think you, honest to God, even though this would never happen ever, ever, going into the last, last week of the season or whatever, Miami is undefeated. They're playing Notre Dame, who's also undefeated. And the winner, and it, you, we, we all agree, Miami is not as good as Notre Dame. Like, but, if, but if Miami wins, they're not going to the playoff. But Notre Dame will if they win. You're still going to take, I want a Miami win. I don't care. I want the Miami win. Is, again, is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you have the people on those campuses would rather see their main team win. And, of course, there's more at stake for their main team. I mean, shoot, on Miami's campus, I mean, obviously when, you know, you were there, so you would know. But, you know, you see people walking around in Ohio State sweatshirts and, you know, Kentucky hoodies. And I, you'd even see people wearing Cincinnati hoodies. And that's supposed to be our rival. So it's just kind of more of a, you know, people gravitate towards the, the bigger name school. And so I think you're right. Like people would rather see Ohio State win, even most people, I think, on Cincinnati's campus. And one of the things that sparked this, about Maya, that sparked me is when we were talking about these one-off years, of these years that are going to be talked about for the next 50 years. And it's, it, you know, part of it is too, our friend Colin. He's a UD fan uh, from Dayton. That that was the best UD team that they're going to have for another 50 years. I mean, they still, in that town, they still talk about when they lost in the national title game to Lou Elsinder, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 60s. The guys that were in that starting lineup, it's, they have not bought a beer since then. They are still regarded. People know their names. And that was 50 years ago for a college team. Okay, people are going to remember the names, Trey Landers, Obi Toppin. They never got to have that chance. And it really, it like, and that's what is so tragic about the UD team is they are, that's the closest that uh, they'll, they'll be to a football team, like a UCF. Is UCF is like, we just, we were never given a chance. We were never given a chance to finish this. No one thought we could. And with UD, it's a little different because I think they could have. But they just were never given this chance. But we're gonna, you, people in Dayton are gonna talk about that team for another fifty years. People are gonna talk about that UCF team for another fifty years. They're gonna talk about that Kansas team for another fifty years. And I think that this Indiana team, like yes, you you were saying that this Indiana team might be this very well be. We can't look into the future. Like who knows? Maybe you, Indiana is the best Big Ten team over the next ten years, and they topple OSU. I don't know. I don't think so. But that could happen. But, you know, as of right now, I'm thinking this could be this Indiana team that is talked about for the next 50 years. We were ranked in the top 10. And that's so special to have to a program. There's, I mean, because it happens every now and again. Western Michigan happened a couple of years ago. I keep going back to UCF. Um, I remember like 10 years ago, again, Kansas. I remember South Florida had a year. Rutgers had a year. 
is you have these years and you have, and it's beautiful that you can become a, you can become one, a folk hero in uh, your own college, in your own town, and we're going to remember that. And then there's also two or three trivia questions that come up. Mark Mangino is a trivia answer to so many questions. All right. Um, so is, I can't, again, I, I would get it wrong, but the South Florida quarterback, um, in Illinois with Rashard Mendenhall a decade ago and Juice Williams was their quarterback. I just, I watched something that was a dripping answer is this, this Illinois team. And it was basically, Hey, this Illinois team, that was good. Their only good team in the last 25 years. Give me their quarterback and give me their running back. And it's people were met. His name was Juice Williams was the quarterback electric and Rashard Mendenhall. That's, I mean, you just get talked about. And this Indiana team has a lot of makings of that. It's super exciting. And I, I mean, I mean, we could almost go on an entirely different rant about Michigan and Harbaugh and we might, you know, we might go there next, but um, whooping on Michigan, again, not a huge surprise this year because Michigan really, really seems just dazed and confused both Harbaugh's coaching and the play on the field. Um, but that that's kind of the Indiana's we've arrived game because they, they can rail Maryland or um, Rutgers and they could beat Illinois. But when it comes down to, to truly ripping on a Michigan team that for all intents and purposes, like Michigan, despite, you know, lack of recent success, like Michigan is more or less a blue chip college football program. Not more or less, they are. Uh, so maybe for them maybe to, a second blue chip. Sure, yeah. So for them to for them to truly hand it to Michigan, that that is like the utmost confidence boost to that whole fan base and to just Indiana football in general. So I would love. I mean, I'd love to see them pull off a Penn State upset over Ohio State this weekend. Like I, I don't want I don't want Indiana to win by a touchdown or like 10 points. I don't, I don't want them to win. I want them to win on a blocked field goal. I want it to be some absolute insanity. I want to, I want to pick six in the end zone. I want to pick six. I want to, you know, a Hail Mary interception, like something just crazy that, that happens for this win to come about. And again, they could very well lose by 20 plus. You have, you have no idea, but um, they had their arrival game whooping on Michigan the way that they did. And they've been consistent enough to take care of the rest of their other games. Um, and so, you know, they're here. And they could lose by a lot to Ohio State and then just win out the rest of the way, too. That's extremely possible. So it's going to be really exciting to see what happens. Yes, it will. And uh, two things. One's a question to you. And then this first one, you, you can cut it. But do you remember the infamous – because I, I just got to remember when you said a crazy ending, the Kyler Murray play that happened this weekend uh, and how he need the ball uh, for the extra point. Do you remember my pick two? In, in uh, NCAA football. <laughs> if we want to talk about greatest sports moments of all time, undoubtedly that is up there. That was truly unbelievable. Do you want to? Do you want to go through that story? That story. Actually, let me let me preface let me preface why this is significant, and then you tell me that exact moment of the game. But when Ben and I were at Miami, we would play NCAA 13. 14 was out, but we had 13. We would play the earlier version. <laughs> and we would play with our, our roommate, Luke, and we would have um, – I think Connor would come dabble in it a little bit, but um, more or less it was just really us three. And, I mean, it was the same routine. We would come home from class. We'd meet up in the room, and we had an offline dynasty. So we would pick our teams – we restructured all of college football based on geography and we were all in the ACC and I was the coach of Maryland. Ben was West Virginia and Luke was the Naval Academy and we were all in the ACC together and in an offline dynasty, since we're all in the same conference, we would play each other every year, but you would also advance weeks and you would play the rest of your schedule and you would be recruiting week to week against each other. And I could go on and on about my, incredible frustrations with Ben and how he would <laughs> out recruit us every single year. But it was, it was incredible because you would see somebody, you'd see one of the other two people get a commitment and you're like, Oh, I was going after that quarterback. And then, you know, you'd go through the rest of your games, but you would meet with the other two throughout the season. And then more, more likely than not, since we were in different divisions of the conference, we would be playing one of one of the other people for the conference title 
and then we could possibly meet for the national title as well. And, and we played probably like five plus years of this. Um, but long anyway, time. Long so, time. so Ben, we had some truly, you know, truly incredible moments and endings to games and, you know, controllers were thrown across the room and, and tables were knocked over at, at, you know, Hail Marys and whatnot. And, and Ben perhaps had the most dramatic moment in the entire dynasty that we had. And Ben, I want you to go through it. And here's how to preface, like how long we did it and how long ago this was as um, I think we got to like 2022 actually. And when we started it, we downloaded the live roster. So who was actually on our teams at the time. And Jeremy's star wide receiver was Stefan Diggs, uh, who now plays for the Buffalo Bills. And he seems like he's been in the pros for a decade. I mean, oh, yeah. That who that's who your your wide receiver was was Stephon Diggs. I remember that. So I, I believe it's the third year, maybe the fourth year. None of us have won a national title yet. We're still kind of struggling. I'm beginning to build my program because I got to a point with my program where I um I I just I got the best players and they were undoubtedly the best players. I had my quarterback <laughs> his senior year threw for eight thousand yards and he had ninety seven touchdowns in one year because I just ran four verts and I, it doesn't matter. I, I, I would play the number one team, the number four team, the number eight team and the number nine team. And I, I just blew them out. But when it came to the title game, sometimes I struggled and there was this infamous, infamous play. I go down by a certain amount. Uh, and then I with like a minute to go and I do a drive. And it, I, this is one of the times where I couldn't just run four verts because they'd get picked off. So I had to run a drive and I grinded this drive and timeouts and I did everything perfect. And I score the touchdown and I'm like, ah, you know, I, there's like 13 seconds left. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for two so that a field goal, like I'm just going to be safe. So a field goal ties, a field goal doesn't win just in case something nuts happens. So I run a play, I throw it to the flat, it gets picked off, they return it they're up by one and I'm kicking to them and I lost the national title that way. Um, <laughs> I, that was the most brutal thing ever. And I don't know about any of the listeners. I don't know if you ever did this. I know a lot of my friends back home, they've done the same thing where you just create a dynasty and you go for years and it's so much fun and it makes me miss those games so much, but that I haven't, I haven't felt heartbreak like that. I don't know if I've experienced it since that was one of the, I'm never in my life ever. I will never forget that moment. I will, I, I don't remember who I was playing, which is sad. I should remember. I think it was Clemson, but I'm never in my life going to forget the pick two. I will always remember that. And it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> we would, so since, so since it would just only be, we had three of us in one conference and we were in different, you know, two of us would be in one division and one would be the, the other. I think the rule was that whoever won the conference the previous year got to be in their own division, which more or less would yep. get you back into the title the next year. Um, you know, outside of you losing to the CPU teams, which wouldn't really happen for us. And so since the two, since two user control teams would play in the ACC championship game, odds are the national title would just be one of us. It might not be, a na I think very rarely we actually had a national title between two of the ACC teams. I think it was just one time. Yeah. And so with that being the case, it would be the CPU playing against one of us for the national title. And obviously when it is the national title, the game gets way harder. The games are never blowouts in the national title. It's almost like the CPU wants it to be a very close game. It's very hard to blow out the other team in the national title. And so since it was just one of us playing each national title game, the other two of us, and sometimes we would have multiple other people in the room just watching. I'm pretty, Connor might've been there. I know for a fact, it wasn't just Luke and I, I know there were multiple other people in there watching this. <laughs> we might've had like Joey Dean and Jimmy Allen and the boys from the boys from, uh, from on the other side, the Cleveland guys and watching this pick two happen <laughs> been in utter disbelief as the CPU runs it back like 96 yards to take the lead truly unbelievable it was it was, it was one of the craziest sports atmospheres i've ever been in and it was in a dorm room with on, on a, a 30 inch television if that and and i've beaten luke 
in the ACC championship game. And I had talked so much crap all year because I like you're a little underselling the recruiting things. I would taunt you guys because I jumped out to a lead in the first few years. Uh, and my program had more clout than yours. I think I was a six star when you guys were I bumped, moved up and you guys were four or five star. Yeah, I was just going to I was just going to talk about my issues with you and the recruiting. So I would taunt you guys. I would, there would be times where I know you guys would be talking and be like, dude, this guy would change my program if I can get him. And I'd just be like, oh, what's his name? Oh, <laughs> John Williams? Of, oh, Indiana? He's, a, he's an athlete? Oh, like, he'll be great as my third string running back. And you're just like, no, Ben, please. Like, he's going to change my program. <laughs> he could be what I'm, like, what I'm like hoping and praying for. And I'm just like, and I would like not do anything. I would offer him a scholarship and he would just take it flat out after you and Luke had been fighting for this guy like seven weeks. <laughs> and I would do this. So I mean, things were heated. I, Luke did not want me to win. Jeremy, I, I don't know if you wanted me to win. I was, I was an evil empire. So when this happened, I know Luke laughed in my face and I was so dejected. I think you were nicer about it. Luke could not have been happier. We, there would be times where you would recruit, I, I'm not even joking, you would sign five quarterbacks to one class and you would end up cutting three of them, which in the, like, in the real world, they would just transfer or they would be in, available for the other teams. But in the game, they, they're just deleted. So you would just cut three, like four or five star quarterbacks every year that literally would have walked in and started for Luke and I. They would just be like, out of the game, like a true freshman, eighty four over eighty overall. It's like it's like ridiculous. This is, it's like this is a god. You guys are scraping. Like I just got a true freshman who's a seventy three. I think he's gonna be my starter, and I just cut a true freshman who was an eighty. And, and yeah, and yeah, like in in the real world too, like you don't, you can never truly tell how somebody's going to develop. But in the game, if you bring in a freshman who's an 80 or above, odds are they're going to be a 95 to 99 by the time they're seniors. And Ben would just cut them. He would get a freshman 84 who is, who's going to be 90 plus as a sophomore. And he would just cut them straight up. They're deleted from the game. And Luke and I are left with these lower rated quarterbacks because Ben just wanted to be selfish and hoard them for himself. <laughs> that was some of the most fun I have ever had in my life. I just, those <laughs> are the reasons why I pray that we can get that game back and, or just, just create some fake game. That's like, Hey, this is college football and have the branding and do it right. That would be, Oh, it'd be so much fun. Just you're, you're the first person oh. I'm inviting to an online dynasty when that happens. Cause they, they'll have on, cause the EA sports servers used to be really bad, but I don't even know if they had them for like 2013 or anything, but we they were rough. You imagine NCAA football, like 22 or whatever. I, you, me, we'll probably get Connor and Colin. Well, there, it'll be a sizable dynasty and, and I'll be damned if you're going to take any more quarterbacks for me and cut them. I will be damned if you do that. I mean, I just can't imagine what they'd do now. I mean, the game would be so much fun. They'd put in a transfer portal. They'd do so much stuff to make it so awesome. And I just – I get why you can't do it. But I, I – one can hope. Well, that could be a whole other episode, but I think that's coming down the barrel. And it'll be here. But it'll just – it'll take some time. But when it does happen, I, I don't care if it's in a year or two or if I'm 45, you're going to be getting a call from me and I'm going to be like, hey, turn on the PlayStation 12. Let's get ready for this. <laughs> and by, that, by then, the PlayStation 12, you and me will be tackling each other virtually playing the game. I'm going to be kicking my kids off. Like, okay, hey, it's dad's turn. Dad's going to play with his friends tonight. Hey, what did I say? Seven o'clock, I, I got an ACC title game. Get the hell off the TV. <laughs> can you guys watch no you guys can't watch <laughs> get out of my coach's box leave now <laughs> hey, i didn't hire you timmy's assistant coaching today it's not billy get over it you need to step away but like like jimmy you fucked me last week i'm not i can't have you on i cannot have you in this coaching box like, dad dad why guy. do you make dad it's not billy. even a real game why do you make us wear coaching headsets <laughs> get out out now <laughs> why did you like create a crow's nest he, he's up in the booth coaching he needs he's coaching from a vertical <laughs> angle 
the possibilities oh, are truly endless. <laughs> I just want to I want to end it with this because this is the other thing I wanted to ask you before we went on this tangent. How much fun would it be to do your job in a year like this for in like for Indiana being the social media guy for this one-off year that I mean you could hope that you're building but this is the one-off this is the greatest year you're going to have for 50 years and you'd be doing what you do now I mean how much fun would that be for you it would be so much fun and I'll say this whoever's doing it is is having fun because they have been they've been crushing the game like they they're um their video content their photo content like the hype videos the locker room videos like I spent like 10 minutes the other day or probably more I would say just scrolling through their feed just from their first weekend of games um just from the first couple weeks of games just scrolling through their feed checking it out because they've they've given like whoever's running those accounts and whoever's making the calls on their social media like they've been putting their photographers and videographers right in the middle of the locker room celebrations and the hype videos and everything like that. It's just been super cool. So whoever is doing it is having fun and they're doing it. And so I know I'd be having a fun regardless, but whoever's doing it, I know they're having fun. And I also know that they're taking full advantage because like you said, it, it could be the start of, you know, a new era of Indiana football. And obviously that's the way they're billing it on their social media. And like, just as a program in general, like, Hey, this is who we are now. This is Indiana. But no matter what the outlook could be, I think most people would probably say like, yeah, this is Indiana just playing out of their minds. Who knows if we're ever going to see it again. So I bet you whoever's running their social right now, they're treating it like that and they are truly having fun. And it, it, it just looks like it. You can just tell because everything looks so good. And then this can be a last one. We can post it out to our followers and we can ask them too. Cause I want to ask you, I want to ask your opinion you can have, you can be involved in, or you could be rooting for a team or whatever, you know, and let's just take out the aspect of, oh, you'd like to be winning all the time, you know, all the time. Like everybody wants to be the OSU, but let's kind of take that out of it. What would you rather have? Would you rather have kind of consistent success or be able to have that one year? Maybe like uh, have this, have this year. It's like, this is the year, like just say Indiana wins the national title. They get to have this year. Uh, I know when I listen, I talk to Patriots fans, and they they've said they don't like. Yeah, they're going to watch, but they don't care what happens for the next sixty years. They really don't, because they got to experience this. They got to experience this past. You know, like they they wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I, they were like, I'll go own sixteen for the next twelve years because I got to do this this past nineteen, which have been the greatest ever. Would you rather have that? Would you rather have you know when you're talking like? Oh, do you remember the national title? Oh, which one? Or do you remember the national title? And everybody in the room knows know what you're talking about. You're talking about the 2020 Indiana Hoosiers. The one year, the one glory year. I mean, kind of, again, discounting the, yeah, everybody wants to win every single year. But kind of discounting it. Which is more special? Which is more fun? Shoot, you're right. That is kind of a tough question because, like you said, it's kind of – it's kind of impossible to turn down the prospect of sustained success, but nonetheless being able, I think to recall, you know, I think if you won multiple titles in a row, you know, again, this is coming from me or you, like neither of us have ever experienced that with any team in any sport at any level that we've rooted for, but to be able to recall say multiple national titles, I'm sure there's some special element to all of them that, you know, brings that nostalgia back but the nostalgia would just be a nostalgia overload if it was something that was a one time and if you were you know if you were the one time Indiana Hoosiers you won the national title in 2020 and for me I guess I would equate it to 2016 with the Cavs where we didn't go on to win a couple more titles and I'm sure if we did like I said there'd be something special attached to that but I mean, somebody's able to bring up the Cavs national title and I'm able to look back or the Cavs NBA title. And I'm able to look back and be like, wow, that was, that was, I remember every detail of that, every detail of watching it, you know, you don't get them confused, which again, it's hard to say like, Oh, I can't even remember which part, which national title this memory was from because there were four in a row, but to have the one where you just remember every detail of it, 
it's special. And you could, you know, you could equate it, say if it is sustained success, you could equate it to like, oh, I remember the first one the most because that was the most special. But if it's the only one and you're looking back on it, I mean, you're just going to feel overly nostalgic about every detail because that was the one. I don't know. What do you think? I I think, I think, yeah. I mean, again, this might just be a stupid question because obviously the answer is I want to be sustained success, but just the specialness of, because for programs like this, like it, it brings back, um, you know, there's some, like some people that some, there are some people that don't like the, the, the playoff. They don't like the BCS. They don't like this, that this is the national title. And it's because there was something special about, you know, some of the greatest Michigan teams of all time. And maybe this speaks a lot about Michigan. I don't know, but some of the greatest Michigan teams of all time went nine and three and won the Rose Bowl. And they are historically awesome Michigan teams and that year, but now and get nowadays, that's a failed season. You didn't win the national title. Therefore it's a failure. Um, and it's just, there's not often, it's just, it takes a truly in the, in the pros, some people equate it to pros, but that's not even true either. It just takes a, an especially pitiful like program or uh, franchise because if the Lions made the Super Bowl, I would remember that for the rest of my life. I will remember when they made the Super Bowl. I think you'll remember the Cleveland Indians, when they made it, you're going to remember it and it's going to have a bad ending, but you're still going to be like, wow, we almost had it, you know, and there's a beauty to it. You know, when you're the Yankees, no, like we you lost in the ALCS in game seven. No, I'm going to forget that. It's, it's going to happen again. I'm going to forget it. But Indiana could lose to, could, they could, if they beat OSU and then lose to Wisconsin, because they still have to play a good Wisconsin team. It could this they might not win the national title, but we're still going to talk about this Indiana team. Uh, and, and I guess I'll just leave it with this. I'll give you my answer, and it's two. I I have two, but and I I, I might as well not ask you because I know the answer. But if one of, of my teams could win, um, I think one would be the Lions, but like a really really close and really surprisingly close one would be Xavier basketball, and just because me and my dad watch it all the time. And it's, I mean, it's like they're not going to win it. And, you know, it's just, it'd be something that we watch football all the time too, but Xavier's just been a little different. If they got to win, it would be, oh, it would be so awesome because what are they doing winning? They're Xavier. And especially with my, when my dad went there, they were, I mean, think about what Mac basketball is. That's what Xavier was. They were that low. They were nothing. I mean, they were, they were below a mid-major, you know, when they, when they, and then they slowly grew up. They went to the A-10, and then they now they're in the Big East, and it's their major program. And oh, it would just be a lot of fun watching that with my dad. And I'm going to ask you the same, but we all know the answer. Yeah, it's the Indians. There's no doubt about it. Um, I can't really, again, I can't really turn it to a college fandom because Miami being in any sort of situation like that is just unreasonable. Um, the only thing I could think about would be like hockey down the road, um, which would be sweet. I mean, they were playing for it, um, before we went there, but yeah, it would be, it would be the Indians, no doubt. I've seen the Cavs do it now. So obviously I think my second one would be the Browns getting to see the Browns do something. That would be my dad's for sure. My dad's, I mean, my dad was born in 65 and it was the year before that the Browns last won a title. So he, <laughs> The man literally since the day of his birth has not seen a Browns championship. And um, I know that would be his number one, just because like, that's what he's more attached to. But for me, it'd be the Indians and either one I'd be at the parade and whatnot. But, but I, I agree. Like, it's just special. It, I would have loved to see some championships in my time right now, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's exciting to look forward to the fact that like that could come soon. And it would would have been great to have one have one by now, but it's uh, it's it's fun to look at it and be like, wow, when that day comes, it's going to be unreal. And right now we're at the perfect age. I mean, it, I think there's just two ages to win a title, and I think it's there's there's two times, and it's you know call it before high school, and then after college. You know, those are the times. Maybe in college, okay, talking about pro sport. Uh, college is obviously when you're in college but I mean that's just when it's probably the more fun is um it's kind of like the question what's what's the better Halloween adult Halloween or kids Halloween is there's I mean 
there's awesome memories to both and sometimes lack of memories. Um, and it's just right now we are at our peak where we get to do what Colin did is at a whim call. I'm supposed to be at work in an hour. I'm calling off because I'm driving to Kansas city to go watch the parade. We have the ability to do that. And, you know, and that's, we're at the perfect age. Will we get to do it? Man, I hope so.